You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, August 23rd. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for, uh, or maybe if pop culture entertainment is a... Uh, your thing. It's a little bit more down your lane. You can find my work at places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, Inverse, Blade Disgusting, Film Cred, and more, and hopefully many more to come. But most importantly, guys, you can check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And if you feel so inclined, but remember, only if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have, and I'll do my very best to get back to them here on the show. Lately, I've actually been saying, if you send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app, and in the review description, you put uh, a little question in there, it is guaranteed to be answered on the show, because I like bribing people for good reviews, ladies and gentlemen. Today's episode is brought to you by Locked on MLB. Join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan, but please, just, just promise me one thing, call him Sully every day on Locked on MLB for a unique look at the majors, both past and present, featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Locked on MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Locked on MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast, guys. And for today's episode, we are recapping a weekend where the clown show continued, mostly, yeah, pretty much mostly, continued, ladies and gentlemen, for the San Diego Padres, who are now one of the biggest fall-offs in baseball. Not even now, I mean, it's been going on for a while now. Uh, they lose two out of three this weekend. Going to be recapping the games, going to be talking a little bit about uh, Mackenzie Gore, and it's, it's about it. It's about it. It's all I really have to say. It's, it's a it's an unfortunate weekend, and I kind of want to just move past it, and because now we got the Dodgers coming up. Lord knows that series isn't going to be easy. So uh, let's get into it, guys. Let's start with Friday's game, right? Friday's game between the Padres and the Phillies, which ended 4-3 to three in favor of Philadelphia. And let's just, I don't know if I want to start with this, right? I don't know if I want to start with talking about, you know, the big elephant in the room, which was Doug Edding's home plate umpire for the game that made a lot of questionable calls. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but home play, or not home play, but umpire scorecards is like this Twitter account that tracks through a bunch of different statistical, like, you know, analysis and whatnot, and breaks down what is the run advantage based on a, a called game, right? And usually, like, you know, it's not usually over the top, usually. You know, it's like something that's considered high as like plus one point something, favors uh, another team, like runs in favor of another team, and they usually point that out. They look at all the missed calls, the calls that went against the team, whether or not there was a consistency, consistency probably playing a a huge factor for it, and the umpire scorecards came out, and it was plus one and a half, not one and a half, it was like one one and a quarter uh, runs in favor of the Philadelphia Phillies, and they lost by a run. There was a lot of questionable calls in this game. Jace Tingler gets tossed. Manny Machado gets tossed after arguing balls and strikes. He strikes out. I will say one thing about this. It's not like Manny Machado wasn't, like, asking to get tossed there. One thing I don't like is when players, like, make a comment and then all of a sudden the umpires toss them. Like, they, because umpires just have unlimited job security and all that, that they're just willing to just 
tell everybody to, and just do whatever they want. They don't have to figure about consequences or anything like that. They like having that power, I think, especially some of the unfortunate, which weird is like a lot of the bad ones, um, like using their power and wielding it in such ways. But uh, Manny Machado gets tossed. It was frustrating, kind of a bases loaded situation uh, to drive in the runs for the Padres. I sound like such a casual saying that to drive in the runs for the Padres. Uh, but you know, it was it really was a culmination of a lot of things. And the that umpire scorecard, by the way, that I just mentioned the one point two five runs basically in favor of the Phillies. That's like a lot. You know what I mean? This isn't like a zero point two or zero point three or four four. Like this really affected the game, and the calls were inconsistent. You know, on the corners, on the outside corner, and they were not happening the same for Padres pitchers. And I'm wondering if Doug Eddings, it's like. I mean, we all talk about Angel Hernandez, right? We all talk about Angel Hernandez. He's one of the most widely discussed umpires. He's trending every night on Twitter that he umpires a game, right? Because he's like the worst in baseball. And it's, it's, I feel kind of bad for the guy sometimes, only because there's a lot of other bad umpires, and Doug Eddings is one of them. And I'm wondering, is there some personal history here between the Padres and Doug Eddings? Is there some, it just felt like that's what the announcers were saying. That's what Don Arcillo, that's what Mud was saying uh, with Mark Grant. That's what they're all saying is that it feels like it's it's more personal to the Padres. Um, and that's not good. That's not good because they do lose the game only by one run um, in this game that featured a start from Blake Snell. That wasn't that great from Blake Snell, but it wasn't terrible. He goes five innings, giving up three runs, walking two, striking out nine. It wasn't that bad, actually. It really, it really wasn't. There was just a couple home runs that he gave up, I believe, to, yeah, JT Romuto and Bryce Harper home runs in the top of the third inning. It was just that bad one inning in which, you know, all of their runs come from Bryce Harper and JT Romuto. And then, aside from that, though, he was, he was kind of okay. So I'm still hoping that Blake Snell has shown that he's showing at least uh, you know signs of improvement, signs of using his slider more, using the four-seam fastball more, rather than relying on the curveball and changeup, which just keep getting mashed by hitters all the time. So hopefully that's a good sign. It really wasn't a bad start for Blake Snell. And I actually think that, in fairness, if you're going to lose to the Phillies, those are the two guys you think of, Rio Muto and you think of Bryce Harper. You also think of Reese Hoskins to a degree, but we'll get to him later, believe me. Um, but it was it was really frustrating basically all around and it stinks because Manny gets tossed from the game and it kind of overshadows that he hit a big like two run home run and only went 357 feet but 119.6 miles per hour it was the fastest hit like home run of the year uh, in terms of all the exit field stuff and that was just like wow I mean it's it's insane I mean Manny Machado there are only like a few batters that hit the ball harder than him in, in, in all of baseball. He's one of the highest hard hit rate guys in the entire league. Not that I'm breaking news to anybody when it comes to the Padres. Everybody knows how good Manny Machado is, but it was frustrating, man. It's frustrating, but I will say, I've been ragging on the umpires a lot. I will deliver my take on umpires in just one second, but it has to be brought up that when Manny Machado gets ejected, he didn't have to swing at that pitch you know, high up in the zone, you know what I mean? Like, he could have gotten the hit there. The Padres had bases loaded. The only reason they score is because Fernando Tatis Jr., apparently the Phillies tried to murder him, and he gets hit by a pitch, allowing Eric Hosmer to score, and then moving the bases around, of course. But, like, you know, you need to get a hit in that situation. But still, it's it, it's rough. I don't think Ian Kennedy and all these guys were trying to intentionally hit Tatis before anyone theorizes that. But it was still uh, just really, really frustrating, I think, uh, for the Padres to lose this way. So while you can't put it all on the umpires, um, because the Padres should have gotten hits there in the bases loaded situation, you can bring it up and say, man. And in terms of my take on umpires, I've said before that I just in general don't like campaigning for human beings to be replaced by machines as just a general statement of life, right? Just a general thing through life. 
However, it does feel like it's gotten a little bit out of control in the sense that there are guys that just like they won't be impacted, like their performance doesn't get impacted. And I know it's a thankless job. I understand that. But, man, there's a lot of harder jobs out there. It's not like these guys aren't paid well. They're compensated very well. On top of the incredible job security, they're compensated extraordinarily well. So I really think that Major League Baseball should look into some changes at least. Again, I don't like campaigning for humans to be replaced by machines. But then again, when it comes to umpires, I don't necessarily know. And my mom actually pointed this out with me. It's not like there's a gajillion jobs in that market. This isn't like Amazon setting up do-it-yourself stores. You know what I mean? Where that would impact the job market tremendously. And in my opinion, very... uh, very dangerously, very egregiously. It would be very sad if that happened. But anyway, not to get too political or anything like that. But So that's my kind of thing. But then at the same time, it's like you can't have these umpires that are just taking over games. It's just bad. Um, the Padres are still playing like clowns lately, but that was not how I wanted to spend my Friday night. And it was a bummer. It was a bummer. Um, but that's it for that first game, guys. And before we get into the next game, actually, actually happy game. thankfully uh, that happened this weekend for the Padres. Um, I need to say something. All right. I share a bed with a pro bowl quarterback, an Olympic swimmer and a national women's soccer star. Okay. Yeah, fine. I should probably explain what I mean there. When I heard how many elite athletes sleep on a molecule mattress and call it their best sleep ever, I ordered one for myself and they were spot on. I'm no athlete, but you know, it helps me sleep better. My neck issues every now and then my neck props up a little bit. Just in general, it's tough for me to sleep sometimes. And this helps. Uh, Molecule sleep scientists literally created the world's most perfect mattress. It's unlike any other mattress in a box. It's cooler to touch, not like other foam mattresses. It has six times the airflow of my old mattress. So it keeps me cool all night. It has zone reflex layers that adjust with me in all my weird sleep positions. So I never awaken with a stiff neck or sore back and it's antimicrobial which is very nice. Molecule Mattress is how elite athletes and myself, Javier Reyes, get the best sleep ever. Sleep on your Molecule Mattress risk-free for 100 nights if you don't have your deepest, most restorative sleep ever. Return it. Simple as that. Visit onmolecule.com and save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at onmolecule.com. All right, guys, now we are back. We are back recapping. Uh, games from this weekend series that was mostly bad, but it did have some bright spots. And Saturday night was a bright spot. It's funny because I actually didn't get to watch uh, the full game. I was hanging out with a friend of mine. Before you all look at me and say, what were you doing? Don't worry, look. I did have the game on on my laptop over there. We were watching a bunch of anime that we had to catch up on My Hero Academia. You know how it is. Um, But we were doing that stuff. We were playing Mario Party, which is, oh my god. By the way, Mario Party Superstar is coming out October 29th. Let's just say, guys... I'm going to be very happy uh, that baseball probably will slow down by then, especially with how the Padres have been playing. They might not go that far into the postseason, um, if they even make the postseason. Uh, I'm going to be very excited October 29th. Let's just say that. I'm very excited. Mario Party is my favorite like series ever. But anyway, enough of that talk, guys. Saturday's game, the Padres win by a score of 4-3, to three, and it was a pitcher's duel. Aaron Nola for the Phillies. And San Diego's own Joe Musgrove for the Padres. In this game, let's compare the two stat lines. Let's start with Joe Musgrove. Six innings, only allowing one earned run on three hits, walking two, striking out nine. Uh, And he was great. He was great. I mean, he's just, every now and then, like, he did have that blow-up start before, right, with Joe Musgrove. He did get absolutely creamed for some reason by the Diamondbacks, allowing a season-high ten hits, six earned runs, which was rough. It, it, It happens. I get it. 
it's annoying that it was against the Diamondbacks. Don't get me wrong. I don't know why the Padres can't play against poor teams this year. It just doesn't make any sense. They are, I think they have the second best record against teams above 500 in the league, or at least in the National League. And then, no, I think it is actually the whole league. That's the graphic I saw today. And then they have the worst, I think officially the worst, record against teams below 500 in the league. So it just doesn't make any sense why they decide to play down to your, their competition like that and play even worse. Um, but Joe Musgrove, basically the only starter that's been reliant for the Padres for the past month, past month plus. He's the only guy that you know can go in there and at least be solid. I mean, at the minimum. I mean, geez, Louise. I mean, Blake Snell, like I said, he was actually pretty decent on Friday. I think that's getting lost by the fact that he gave up some big hits to to Bryce Harper and J.T. Rumuto. It's funny because the Bryce Harper at bat, I was nervous the whole time. I was like, this bat is going too long. He's going to get killed and look what happened. Um, but in this game, also in terms of the pitching duel that I was uh, referring to, Aaron Nola on the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies. He goes eight and two-thirds innings, allowing two earned runs, walking two, striking out 11. Uh, Aaron Noll has not been very good this year. Pitch mix is one of the best in the league. He genuinely throws each of his four pitches around the same amount of time, or at least he did a lot of last year. This year he's kind of fallen off a little bit, but uh, he has a good start here against the Padres. Uh, the Padres' first runs are actually scored in the bottom of the seventh inning with a single from Manny Machado, who has a great weekend. He had the home run on Friday, obviously, and then he has the single here. And then the Phillies end up scoring uh, thanks to Brad Miller getting hit by a pitch, Didi Gregorius getting hit by a pitch. It was just like, like I, I just don't understand how our bullpen has been choosing the wrong time to regress with both Daniel Hudson and Tim Hill in this game, uh, allowing uh, an, an earned run for both of them. And it's just like, like, what was the point of trading for Daniel Hudson? I mean, he just hasn't been good for the Padres, really. Uh, so far, he's had a lot of blowups, or not blowups, but he's blown some games, and it, it's just, it just stinks. You hate to see it. Uh, Austin Adams is still wild. He strikes out two, two batters that he ends up facing, which is great. After Tim Hill only gets one. Um, so yeah, not the best night for the bullpen, but more importantly, in this game, the highlight of the night coming from Mr. Jake Cronenworth, two outs. And this is why, if anyone was wondering, say you were out like myself and you were watching the game, not watching the game a little bit because you're hanging out, you're enjoying your Saturday night, and it's just just trying to enjoy life in any way. You know what I mean? Because the Padres are not providing that in this awful world we live in. You know, sometimes you just want to take off, I guess, which, which is what happens sometimes. Uh, two outs, Jake Cronenworth. Home run after Joe Girardi decides to keep Aaron Nola in the game, and that's the the criticism right now. I would argue that that's a little bit unfair because you know Aaron Nola had been pitching really well, uh, at least from what I noticed and what I saw. He looked like he was on. Nola has been very on and off this year. Uh, he has had a couple games where he's looked great. I know that I think it was a week or so ago when it was him and Max Scherzer in the Dodgers Phillies series where both of them were just dealing. Unfortunately, got delayed because of weather so he had to leave that start which was great for my fantasy team by the way that was awesome damn it Aaron Nola. um and I don't care if this wasn't your fault with the with the weather you still have been killing me all year uh but Aaron Nola, he's just been really inconsistent all year and this was one of those nights that he was on so I was surprised to see that Joe Girardi took him out um or didn't take him out I should say and Jake Cronenworth makes him pay for it and it's great homers to deep right center allowing Fernando Tatis Jr. to score it's great because I love seeing Cronenworth so amped after he hit it, too. He's yelling, he's pounding his chest and everything. I just love how much personality Jake Cronenworth has. You know what I mean? That that man is more exciting. Look, as someone who's been watching a lot of the Yankees lately, even though the Yankees have been playing well, and that's been exciting, it's like, why is why is Andrew Velasquez the only one who seems to be having fun when he's playing baseball for the New York Yankees? It's actually kind of insane, that culture, that Yankee culture of just not allowing people to 
have a personality. It's like Jay Cronenworth looks like he's more fun to watch than like every Yankee, arguably, just in terms of a personality, just in terms of how they act on the field, the mannerisms and everything, body language. Um, and the Padres desperately, desperately needed that. You know, you had it earlier in the week when Trent Grisham tied the game against Colorado with a three-run home run uh, in the top of the ninth inning. But then, of course, C.J. Crone ends up ending it with a walk-off home run, which was great. It's like there's been guys who have slowly been trying like trying their best. You have the Tatis game when he comes back, hits two home runs. You know what I mean? Like There are guys that are cl- – this team clearly cares. I don't want to hear anybody that says that the players don't care. They clearly do, and they're trying to you know bounce back into their elite form or at least their very good form. Now they just haven't been doing that, and it's lo- you love to see it from Jake Cronenworth. And what's funny is that is only what ties the game. Uh, the Padres end up actually winning in the bottom of the 10th inning on a wild pitch, uh, which allows Adam Frazier to score um, – but guess what? I'll take it. I don't care. Uh, Adam Frazier, by the way, for the Padres this year, uh, we haven't talked about enough just how really uh, just bad he's been. I shouldn't say for the year, but for the stretch that they that he's had ever since they acquired him, he's been extremely poor. Uh, just to read off his numbers, just his basic numbers uh, for the Padres, he's got a 238 batting average, 281 on base, which is the worst part, only a 286 slugging, uh, which is just like... I mean, you got to be kidding me. And and then look, I understand that he'd been playing maybe a little bit above his head, but this is like below replacement level now. So hopefully Adam Frazier can get it going because it's frustrating. This has kind of been the case of what feels like has been developing for the Padres a little bit over this year where all these guys that just, it's not even like they're regressing to average levels. It's not like Adam Frazier's hitting 270 with a 330 on base, like league average. Right? No, he's hitting 238 with a 281 and isn't slugging the ball at all. Granted, in only 22 games, but you compare that to before, 324, 388, 448, it's frustrating. I've talked about this with Blake Snell. It's like, of course, Blake Snell regresses to the point where you can't even start him this year. Like, he's 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 just one of the worst pitchers in baseball. He's worse than Jake Arrieta, practically. No, he's definitely not worse than Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta is much worse. I still don't understand why they signed him. But like that's that's what's so frustrating is these all these guys that are not just becoming average players, but like below, below, below average players uh, for the Padres, especially guys that they needed to perform. So hopefully, guys like Aaron Nola or not Aaron Nola, Austin Nola, I should say, his brother can maybe pick up for the slack there. Grisham's been getting hot lately. Machado has been basically playing really good baseball for about two months now. Uh, so hopefully they can do that. But otherwise, man, uh, it was a great win. But we have to now talk about uh, another game, and that is Sunday's game, which was very much not a good one, guys. But before we talk about that, I need to talk to you about the best protein bars in all the land, guys. Of course, they are the Built Bars. They're really good. They're really good. On top of being soft and easy to chew and covered in 100% chocolate, they have all these flavors. That's what I love about them the best. They've got orange. They've got strawberry, cookies and cream, chocolate. Uh, They just came out with a pistachio flavor. They've always got these new flavors that drop, too, on top of the cherry barcias and the coconuts and the salted caramels and everything that they have. So that's really cool. You always have something to look forward to when it comes to whatever your flavor tastes are. And on top of that, they're protein bars, so they're healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. So what are you waiting for, guys? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. 
gmail.com. And also, guys, just one more message. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the old football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo, which means make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, not just from football, but obviously this is a baseball podcast, boxing, basketball, they've got you covered. Remember to use that promo code locked on, guys. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, guys, whew, we're, 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 we're in the home stretch of this here podcast today. I, I feel like I've been relatively upbeat. I've had some good energy for today. I've, I've, been, I've been trying to be positive. I guess, given that it was mostly a, a pretty bad weekend. Um, but let's let's kind of conclude this. Let's let's bring it home. All right, so the Padres lose Sunday's game. Uh, well, we had very a lot of excitement on Saturday. Uh, Sunday's game, they lose 7-4, to four, and they only score three of those four runs in the last inning. I know that garbage time isn't really a real thing in baseball, but that's what it felt like. It felt like the game was already lost anyway. Too much of a deficit, 7-1, heading into the bottom of the ninth inning. Today's starter for the Phillies is Kyle Gibson, who they acquired at the deadline. And I will say, he's been pretty eh for the Phillies at the deadline. His ERA for the Rangers, for example, 2.87 over 113 innings pitched. And then for the Phillies, it was 4.7. He has a good start, though, of course, because... That's that's the luck of the Padres right there. Well, you know what I mean. Uh, that's what happens. He goes eight innings, allowing only one earned run on six hits, walking one, striking out three. Again, like I said, he hasn't been good for the Phillies, but you know what they say: and you just face the Padres lineup, and you'll do great. It'll just it'll help you bounce right back. Apparently, that's what the Padres like doing right now. Um, and all the runs. I mean, it it should be pointed out that out of all the games that the Padres played this weekend, that this is the one they probably were projected to lose. It is a bullpen day. Uh, for the Padres. Craig Stammen gets the start. He goes two innings. He's actually fine. Like I said, he gets overhated, actually, I think, by a lot of Padres fans. He goes two innings, uh, not allowing any run, walking two, striking out one, two hits allowed. Uh, and then Ryan Weathers. Oh, God. I mean, under the Weathers, I don't even know what to say. Because when you look at some of his, his stuff, you look at the WPA, you look at the hard hit rate, the whiff percentage, the chase rate, you just pull up stat cast and everything. Ryan Weathers was probably due for a regression. That ERA, this is why ERA can be a little bit misleading, right? When you have a low ERA, this doesn't always mean that you've been pitching well. You might have been getting a little bit lucky. Maybe you have really good defensive metrics uh, in terms of players on your team. That's why FIP, uh, field independent pitching, is important for any of my newbie kind of baseball listeners or anything like that. Um, and, I, and we knew he was for, due for a regression. But it's almost like he took it offensively that we didn't think he would regress more. He's like, how dare you guys think that I'm not going to just be absolute garbage now? You know what I mean? Not to be disrespectful whatsoever, but Ryan Weathers has regressed dramatically just for an idea. All right. July 24th, which really doesn't feel like it was all that long ago against the Miami Marlins when he went four innings, uh, walk three, didn't give up any runs, struck out four. Uh, ever since then, here are the, here's the earned runs for each of the starts since July 24th. So July 30th, 
the day of the deadline, after the Padres weren't able to trade for a starter, and maybe we're thinking, oh, well, Ryan Weathers has been a kind of a gift for us. He's been that random dude who just kind of really stepped up for us. Well, against the Rockies, he allows eight runs in that game, eight runs on eight hits. Then against the Diamondbacks, in, over the course of three innings, he allows six runs. Then August 11th, against the Miami Marlins in four and two-thirds innings, he allowed six runs on seven hits. And then at Colorado, I don't care if it's Coors Field, he allows five runs on eight hits over four innings. And then in today's game, in a bullpen appearance, he goes two innings, allowing three runs on five hits, giving up bombs to guys like Reese Hoskins and, was it was it Odubel Herrera? Yeah, Odubel Herrera. And JTR Romuto, it's just, you got to be kidding. Hoskins, by the way, two home runs in this game. Wish I started him in fantasy. Thankfully, I won, but I didn't realize that he was off the IL. Um, it, it's just rough. The only other runs that the Padres get here, sacrifice fly from May Machado. Like I said, not a bad uh, weekend stint for him. And then Austin Nola doubling in the bottom of the ninth, allowing Jake Cronenworth and Eric Hosmer um, to score. Or I'm sorry, yeah, he cleared the bases with the double, which was nice. Grisham then proceeds to strike out. Grisham, by the way, I... He's basically the same player as last year as far as I'm concerned. I'm a, I'm a little bit disappointed that his slash line is kind of the same thing. He does have a good eye at the plate, but he whiffs at stuff, not outside the zone necessarily all the time, but just some pitches. It's just like, man, I don't think you should be striking out on that pitch, especially what ended up happening in this game. But look, it's just not the way you want to end the weekend. And again, I know it was a bullpen day, and I know that you have on Tuesday you got the Dodgers coming up. And hopefully we'll get you Darvish back at some point maybe for the series. I don't know. Um... But it's just, it kind of, right when, every time you think that the Padres are going to somehow break out of this slump they've been in, of playing mediocre ball against medio, even more mediocre teams, every time you think they're going to break out of it, they don't. You know, you have this Jake Cronenworth moment, one of the saving moments of the season, and they just, it doesn't happen. Like I mentioned earlier in the pod, when Trent Grisham tied the game against Colorado, you're like, okay, here they go, the fire is up, and then the bullpen blows it. Every part, every facet of the team has been so inconsistent since the trade deadline, and arguably even before then, that we had some some kind of signs that the team was heading this way. And that's the problem. Every time Fernando Tatis Jr. gets hot, well, uh, Tommy Pham and Trent Grisham go cold for like a month. You know what I mean? Every time they start heating up, well, uh, Eric Hosmer and Will Myers will go cold. If Eric Hosmer starts heating it's just never full-fledged. It's not firing on all cylinders. And that sounds like some cliche vernacular, but it's true. And it's frustrating as hell to watch because this is one of the best teams in baseball or at least a top 10, at least a top 6, 7 team. And they've been playing like a bottom 10 team. Seriously. They are just underperforming in every facet of the game and it makes you go mad. They're a joke. I've been talking about this for like a week now. They're a clown show. They really are. They're losing to nobodies. And now they have the second hardest schedule for the rest of the way. You've got the Dodgers coming, and then you've got some matchups against Atlanta, who's not a bad team, and they've been on a roll lately. They're, apparently, they you know, they didn't add all that much at the trade deadline. They added guys like Adam Duvall, Jorge Soler, and Richard Rodriguez, bullpen guy. And apparently, that's all it was needed for to spike them. That's all they needed. Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, Dansby Swanson doing enough for that team, despite Max Freed regressing this year. Mike Soroka suffering a setback being out for the year. Uh, Marcelo Zuna with his whole off-the-field incident. He's not playing. Ronald Acuna Jr., him tearing his ACL and being out for the year. They're still finding ways to step up. So when you watch teams like the Braves and then you watch the Padres, who I know they've had a hurt rotation and it stinks, but... I just you just wish someone would step up and it's just not happening. It's just not happening. And the Reds are closing in. They're getting we had like an eight and a half wild card lead. And I at this point, can I tell you they're gonna be in the playoffs? No. 
all of our fears, granted, even I do think some of them were warranted and unwarranted, I think it was up and down a little bit, of how poor the Padres had been playing against underperforming teams, like the Rockies especially, the Rockies, who they ended their season series against 8 and 11, by the way, just to just to put the knife back in your guys' back if you had, for some reason, been able to you know remove that from your mind in recent memory. But uh, they play poorly against them. They played poorly against the D-backs, who take three out of four, including getting no hit by a dude who'd never pitched before as <laughs> a starting pitcher. Uh, it's just it's just maddening. It's just maddening. At this point, the Padres are no longer a tragedy. They're a comedy. And instead, the only thing that we really have to look forward to when it comes to the Padres, and I'm being serious about this, we might only have Tatis to look forward to in the sense that we're just hoping he inflates those stats and that maybe he walks away with the NL MVP. But the Padres keep playing this poorly. Some voters might be like, I don't want to do this. Now, I'll be annoyed because you guys keep doing that for Mike Trout every year despite the Angels never winning, but alas, I'll leave it alone. My thing is like that might be the only highlight for the season. Rotations beat up on top of not performing well, and they're just not firing on all cylinders. And the Giants are finding random guys. The Rays, as always, finding random guys. I just talked about Atlanta. It's just not going well for the San Diego Padres, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and that's really all my thoughts on the weekend series. Thought you would start kicking up and warming up. Well, it's not happening. And I'm very doubtful that that's going to happen against the Los Angeles Dodgers and their super team that they have. Um, but before we wrap things up, guys, betting on the Padres or betting on whoever, maybe if you want to bet on the Braves because of that little monologue that I just had, uh, it doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, in terms of the future of this podcast, going to be talking with Dan Wilson of Locked On Phillies for tomorrow's episode, probably, um, which should be, in my opinion, a, a, a ton of fun. I think it should be fun. What do you What do you guys think? Should be fun, right? Yeah. We're just going to talk about the Phillies a little bit, talk about this weekend series, do a little bit of a recap, give our thoughts on it. Um, so that should be really fun uh, just to tide you over because we don't have any Padres baseball Um today uh the time you guys are listening to this and then we have the dieters um starting tomorrow for the tuesday wednesday all that stuff so that should be fun might talk with jeff snyder of lockdown dieters might do a crossover not gonna lie i might not want to because he's gonna be insufferable as always talking you know talking crap about the team so i don't know if i want to invite him on we'll see we'll see um and then also in terms of uh, some other programming notes i'm slowly launching the YouTube version for Lockdown Padres soon. That should be coming soon. I'm still working out the kinks of it. I have to practice. I have to make sure I get it up. I'm a little bit nervous about it, too, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm nervous about you guys seeing me. nervous about not wanting to make mistakes because I'm on camera now. and going to be uploading those uh, at least fairly routinely on the YouTube channel. So that gives you a different version to watch if you prefer seeing me. If you like the video version of the podcast, that's cool. You get to see how weird I look when I'm behind the mic uh, and all that stuff. But I think it'll be fun just to incorporate that. You know what I mean? As part of the podcast. So look forward to that. And also, I wrote about Manny Machado. Officially, it finally came out on Just Baseball. I linked in the description of the podcast the piece. So check that out. I liked it. Some other people liked it. And I basically wrote about stop dogging the guy. And I just wrote about the no hustle narrative and how he's been elite. And I mean elite, elite. And I wrote a bunch of numbers for it. I talked about the no hustle thing. And it was fun. It was really fun. I got all sorts of pieces coming out for Just Baseball. Um over the next forever i mean it's, it's it's a great website so everybody check that out and yeah i think that about does it everybody for today's edition 
of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcasts app, guys. I would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Seriously absolutely would love that that'd be so so kind and if you send in the review uh description uh, a question that you want answered on the show it is guaranteed to be answered if you do it that way but as always hit me up on the twitter account for the show and my personal twitter account follow both of them and yeah until next time stay safe and of course stay faithful my fire faithful homies take care